Welcome to the audio sermons of South Baton Rouge Presbyterian Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We hope you are encouraged by listening. For more information, please feel free to browse our site at www.sbrpc.org. Today we're going to be looking at Philippians 2. 1 through 11, that's what's on your text, but I'm going to take the privilege of, for context, reading a few verses before the text that is on the screen from Philippians. Let me, let me read this. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God and that from God, for it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ. You should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now here and I still have. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held too tightly to, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God. All of our glory is like the grass and the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers, they all fall, but the Word of God, it stands forever. So the book of Philippians, as you may know, uh, was written by Paul. He's writing uh, back to a church that on his second missionary journey, he planted in a, in a place called Philippi. And uh, the, the people that he started that church with, as you may know, uh, was a, a eclectic group. Uh, there were no Alabama fans there, but there were... Uh, one of the people was a, this really uh, self-righteous, uptight religious woman. There was a suicidal jailer. Uh, there was a demon-possessed woman who, uh, whose owners wanted, who had Paul thrown into jail because he healed, uh, God healed her through Paul and uh, it took away some of their income. It was a very eclectic group, not the kind of group you'd think, hey, this is, this is my A-team for, for planting the church. But these are the people that God used and who Paul loved dearly. And one thing I'm going to say up front is everything that's required for those people in the law had been provided for them in Christ. And the same is true for all of us. Everything that has, is required of us in the law has been for, provided for us in Christ. Um, as we open this, um, I believe this is not from Encanto, but I feel like we all have superpowers. Uh, Typically, for me, I have my superpower. They're typically not things you want. For example, I always pick the wrong line. Always. I've never not picked. So if I like see you in a store and I don't go in the same line with you, it's just I'm trying to be like, I'm, try- I'm looking out for you. I don't want you to get stuck in the line with like three check writer person. 
Uh, I had a girl once, though, I was, I'd asked that question, like, what's your icebreaker, whatever, and she started laughing, and, uh, and she said, oh, that's easy, I can make anything about me. <laughs> and she said, for example, like, the other day, this girl was telling me that her grandma died, and she's like, I got a grandma. <laughs> and uh, I was like, wow, I loved her, her honesty, and I think we're all, that's probably a superpower we all kind of share. Uh, it shows itself in a lot of places, our making things about us or the world being all about us. I mean, driving, I don't want to trigger anybody in here, but have you ever driven in Louisiana? Yes. Uh, I'm just so thankful. I, if there was a GoPro of me driving, it would not be good. Uh, but Paul's writing to people who are amazingly similar to us. They struggled with self-centeredness. They struggled with vainglory. They struggled with envy. It was hard for them. There are people who, you know, when their friend got engaged, they went, what about me? Uh, they're the type of people who, you know, when they met people probably at like, uh, at those things like trivia nights for the first time, they didn't remember their name because they were thinking of what to say when they told them their name. They were thinking about themselves, not wanting to look bad, so they weren't listening, which, by the way, I'm not speaking from Sinai that I do that. Uh, but he, Paul writes for not, uh, not for some sort of short-lived behavior modification. He writes to a people he loved, and he appeals to their minds and their hearts and, that, and their lives that they would be lived out in reflection to who they are as followers of Jesus as citizens of heaven, as those who are united to Christ and co-heirs with Christ. Paul, he knows, right? It's, there's a, it's a struggle. Life is a struggle. Paul knows the struggle and he knows Jesus and he speaks Jesus into the struggle. So from the beginning, uh, let's just get on the same, same turf, same floor. We all struggle with self-centeredness. It robs us of joy in life and Jesus has come to set us free together. Let me pray real quick. Lord God, uh, would you be so gracious to, to give us ears and eyes that we might both hear and see? Would you give us manna, Lord? We need manna today. We're coming in, many of us, so discouraged. We're coming in uh, stumbling, maybe, needing carried. Some of us are coming in with great weeks, Lord, but we come in together as yours, and would you, be, would you meet us here, and, and would you transform us here? In Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the things I, I say a lot is if, if you follow Jesus, you should expect to go where he goes, which, you know, kind of makes sense. If you follow anyone, you kind of go where they go if you're actually following them. Uh, I had a guy come up to me once, and this is when I was in Orlando. I did uh, RUF, started RUF at UCF, and I was at Presbytery one day, and this guy I knew who, who worked with another ministry had come up to me, and he's like, Andy, I got this great idea. Uh, I made all, like, hundreds and hundreds of bracelets, and, uh, and what they do is they have, like a, like, a symbol that will mark people as Christians, and so what I want to do is I want to give these bracelets to professors and to students, and so that students and professors could both know who the Christians are at, at campus, and, and I want you to give, like, 400 of them out. And I said, and I looked at him, and I was like, hmm. And 
it was kind of awkward because oh, that's another one of my superpowers is awkwardness. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, uh, no thanks, I don't, I don't want to do that. And he looked at me and goes, oh, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> and, and my response, what I wanted to say, you know, is, you know, there, there is a thing that we have that marks us. It's not a bracelet. John 13, uh, Jesus said this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's like, we have a thing. We have a mark. It's called love. And we're supposed to know that from one another. Like, it's supposed to stick out. Jesus is supposed to, to stick out of us. You know, Christians are not to be known by what they hate. We are to be marked by love and humility. Uh, you know, Kelly and I have had multiple experiences. I don't know if you've ever had this where you've been in a store and you have the same person that, that's like, you know, at the grocery store over and over again, you'd be like, Jesus sticks, I don't know that person, but Jesus sticks out of them. <laughs> the way they treat people, the way they interact, uh, the way that they love. Um, it's, it's just evident. And eventually, you know, I end up finding out that they are, but I'm, and I'm not surprised uh, because Jesus sticks out of them. Uh, you know, I've had friends like that. We had a friend in, in Orlando who, so made me think of, uh, before she'd come to Orlando, her deli worker in Nashville, where she had come from, her deli workers wept when she moved because she was moving. And she was the kind of, our friend was the kind of woman who Jesus stuck out, stood out, stuck out of. I mean, would your deli workers weep because, do you know their name? And that's not like a guilt or shame statement, but like, I think that was such a beautiful picture of, of that reality. And by the way, that's a, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Uh, today, here's the point. Out of Christ's love for us, we are to love one another, not just in thought, but also in deed, in our action. The problem isn't our differences. It is our likeness and self-centeredness. Nobody wants to be the person who dies for the other person first. It's true in marriage, it's true in this church, it's true everywhere. It's hard, hard, hard to be the first one to die, to lay down your life. Who is supposed to die for the other first? Well, if you have tasted the goodness of Christ at all, Paul says adopt the same frame of mind, share the same love. Yes, you must adopt the only frame of mind that is proper for those who are united in their soul. Paul asked a question, a conditional question, for them to examine if these qualities are present in their lives. Again, does Christ stick out of you? You ever, again, does Christ stick out of you? Paul wants to make sure they continue to progress in this absolutely critical area of love for one another. As Paul emphasizes, they must be of the same mind, not implying intellectual uniformity. He's not saying like clones. Uh, rather, the Philippians are to use their diverse gifts an agreeable cooperative spirit with the focus on the glory of God. Verses one and two, if you've tasted Christ, be united in mind in the same love. Everything, again, required in the law has been provided for you in Christ. Everything you need for life and salvation, Jesus has paid it all for you and me. Unity of mind is repeated twice and emphasized again to reinforce that main concern. In other words, to have the same love, to be soul joined, to be life joined, to be one. He's saying this to awaken them to the importance of the injunction. 
Verses 3 and 4, there's always this temptation, like Paul's opponents, to operate in a spirit of selfish ambition, looking to advance one's own agenda. Such vainglory is countered by counting others more significant than yourselves. Paul realizes we're, we all look out for our own interest. The key is to take that same level of concern and apply it also to the interest of others. I'm not saying don't care about yourself, but man, start thinking and caring about others. And humility is the key. You know, there's a question I think sometimes some of us might ask, if I try to love people like, like that, won't they just kind of run all over me? If I give myself to others, won't they just run, run all over me? Won't I just get burned out trying to do everything? And the answer I think, right, is loving everybody without caring for your own soul is loving no one at all. Paul's not asking us to neglect our own souls and not to care for ourselves. Again, this is probably a smaller percentage but doing everything is not loving. He is simply asking that out of love of Christ for us that we love other people at least as much, if not more, than we love ourselves. To live united in humility. This is where we have to understand or where we get to understand the love of Christ for us. Love people as much as yourself for the next two days and see how that goes. Love the people around you and say, I'm going, to love, I'm going to try to love people as much as, I'm going to think about them as much as I think about myself. See what happens. And what you're going to find out is um, you're, going to need, uh, a, you're going to need a savior. <laughs> and everything that's been required in the law has been provided for you in Christ. Self-centeredness. I think some areas, like, I think this looks different for a lot of us. Uh, I think it was the Lumineers who said the opposite of love is indifference. We'll just say it was C.S. Lewis. Uh, remember, Paul is writing to them who are different than each other to serve and treat each other with dignity and as if that person is at least as good as them, if not better. Paul starts three and four with the negative and he ends with the positive. Don't be this, but be this. Be who you are. Don't be who you're not. Be who you are. Don't be self-centered and selfish and vainglory-driven. Be who you are. Well, what does this look like in the negative? Like, what does it look like to not be? Like, think about time. Are you so busy that you only have time for yourself, for your own concerns? Do you have margins in your life for your neighbors even? Like your actual next-door neighbors, if they were to come over and, and need something. Um, relationships. What drives relationships? And often I think it's comfort, right? Above all else. What if we laid down our lives uh, and entered into the awkwardness of relationships over comfort? <laughs> Have the hard conversation. I know it's hard, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself. Uh, in the negative, uh, there's not a person in this room who doesn't struggle with something. We all struggle. What do you do with those struggles? And I think Paul would say, do you hoard your struggles? Are you a struggle hoarder? We need each other's struggles as much as we need each other's strengths. I mean, what are those things? I mean, you know, 
And again, I'm not speaking from Sinai. I know I had a neighbor once in Orlando who came over and, and yelled at me, he was not a believer, because I don't like to ask for help. He's like, why do you never ask any of us to help? Like, we, why don't you let us help you? And uh, I told him to shut up. <laughs> and uh, was that wrong? <laughs> I'm okay. Uh-oh. Uh, what do you do with your loneliness, your anxiety, depression, your struggle with body image or lust? Um, do you hoard it? Do you invite others in? Um, do you, I, I, there's some true in campus ministry, but I think true in every, all of us, um, you know, in terms of cliques, I don't know if cliques are still a thing that people talk about, but uh, they were once, but the, the idea is the same. Do you hate cliques or do you hate that you're not in them? We tend to write, like, there's an office episode where the nard dog hates the clique until he gets invited in <laughs> to the room. I think it's so telling of how we are. Um, blow them up. Do you, uh, you know, in the negative, like, if you're always doing everything, like, don't let the person who always does everything do everything. And you know who those people are in this church. Some of you do, at least. Uh, stop them and do it for them sometimes. Um, but what does this look like for us in the positive? Humility, this word that Paul used. Uh, you know, I've seen this play down, and it's helpful for me, like seeing these stories of, of people laying down and giving up their rights to serve others. Um, the sort of, it used to be control, all delete. Remember that? Now it's like, I don't know which button. We don't have buttons on our phones anymore. You just got to hold it in a certain way and for 50 seconds, and then it'll reset. But we all need these resets, right, for humility because we're all self-centered. We need these things that are like, man, what is it, like, reset. Like, I'm, I'm made to serve. I'm, I'm not made to serve myself. I'm made to give my life away because I'm made in the image of God who does that for me. Um, well, what does that look like? Um, these things don't make you a citizen, but they flow from you being a citizen. Paul says, be who you are. Like a, you know, like a married man acting like he's, not married. It's not true. He's still married. If he goes to a club and he acts like he's not married, that's weird. He's still married. <laughs> he's saying, be who you are. You're a citizen. You're co-heirs of Christ. And uh, I had some friends, and you guys have done this too, but since I won't, uh, so many of y'all model this, and, and we see this in each other, and I think we need to probably say that more out loud when we see the beauty in each other. We had a friend in Orlando who, this kind of guy who, uh, kind of a walking contradiction in a lot of ways. He was, he had a great job, but he was super frugal. He's kind of guy who, who lived in Orlando, Florida without air conditioning in his like old Toyota car, which is not cool. That wasn't supposed to be a pun. Uh, uh, sorry. Sometimes it just happens. And, uh, but he, uh, I remember him pulling up to our house when we were going through the adoption process and needing stuff, and, and they, were, they had been thinking about adopting, and they decided not, and they said, you know what, your adoption's going to be our adoption, and the guy has no air conditioner in his car, pulls up to his, his house, like, I don't know what you guys need right now, but here's a blank check for whatever that next check is. Um, and and I, I, told, I said, shut up. No, I'm just kidding. I took it, and, we, and I cried, and I was, it was beautiful, but, but one of the things he did once that just blew my mind, he was also, not only was the kind of guy who pulls up and doesn't have air conditioning and, and just generously. I mean, they started this uh, homeless ministry that they would bring people to church. And, uh, and uh, but he's also the kind of guy who always wore a bow tie. 
He's that kind of guy, always, to church. And there's a story that, like, so for years, he, I, I'd never seen him in church without a bow tie, and I imagine he probably slept in a bow tie. Uh, and he, at one point, quit wearing a bow tie. And I came, I, come, I come to find out that he was doing this homeless ministry, and uh, he had this, picked up this guy, brought him to church, went to get the guy again, and, and the guy's like, I cannot, I can't go to church with you. This homeless guy, he's like, uh, I mean, look, you're wearing a bow tie, and, and I, I just have t-shirts that are dirty and stuff like that. And from that day on, my friend Matt never wore a bow tie. He only wore a t-shirt to church. And that's not saying like, hey, everyone should wear t-shirts to church. <laughs> but the point is, um, did he have a right to wear a bow tie? I guess, yeah, sure. Why? I mean, you can wear whatever you want to church. But that homeless guy coming to church was more important than his, the thing he, the way he loved to dress even. <laughs> that's beautiful. And that's the kind of stuff that flows out of uh, what Paul is talking about here with Jesus. This is Jesus kind of stuff. Like, I am, you're actually free to not be entitled to everything you think you're entitled to for the sake of other people and the people around you. And, and so am I. Um, I mean, you know, I can go through like students. Uh, I had a student once who came to me and said, Andy, I can't go on a retreat. Would you not tell anybody, but can I pay for two other students to go? I mean, there's millions of these little ways that are happening all the time in this room. And, and this is what Paul is calling us to, out of our reverence for Christ, out of being united in, in Christ. Um, I mean, I think about what it's like when people apologize. How often does that happen? I think mean, that's, that's something like in humility, that if we're going to be living in gospel community, we're going to have to forgive each other. And if we're going to have to forgive each other, we're going to be wrong sometimes. And sometimes we're going to need to apologize. And I think that's another area where I think, you know, it's a beautiful outflowing of the, like, hey, look. Uh, I remember when we had first, years ago, we started going here and, and all this stuff happened in our church. Some, some people we had just met started coming to our church. And then, our, you know, our whole church kind of had stuff happen here. And it was messy and terrible. And uh, we're thinking, oh, these friends who'd come one week will never come back. And they're like, well, you know, when the guy got up front, they said that everyone screwed up in the place and you guys just proved it in the first week. And they came back as long as they lived here. Uh, hey, here's the truth. If you're new to South Baton Rouge, um, we're, we're a church that needs Jesus. And we need Jesus and we need Jesus from each other. Um, you know, Christian relationships aren't 50 50-50. If the posture is 50-50, it isn't a Christian posture. Not saying, again, like you let people run all over you and there's people who are manipulative or narcissist or anything like that. Uh, I'm not saying that. But Christian relationships aren't 50-50. Who is going to be the first to die? To be the first one to invite? To be the first one to not be right? It's not you or me. It's Jesus. Jesus went first. He died. He laid down. He didn't consider equality with God something to be held so tightly to. He let go of the thing that we all long for the most. He was in perfect community. Self-giving, self-sacrificing community. And he let go of that to come be with us and like be with people like us. The people he created who would have him killed. 
Jesus moves first so we don't have to. But he calls and he bids us to come and to follow after him. To give up our rights. Even to be charitable to one another. To assume the best in one another. What if we did that? What if we assumed the best? And we stink at that, right? Like, I was driving once, and maybe I've shared this here before. I'm sure I have. But my first reaction with people is often to, like, assume the worst. (laughs) And this lady, like, like, swerved in and out and, like, kind of almost ran me off the road. And I gave her the pinky finger, which is, like, the Christian version of uh, the middle finger. Uh, It's a little tamer. But I was like, what an idiot, you know, whatever, saying my things. And, and I get like four miles down the road and she's pulled over and her husband and daughter had been in an accident. And it's just like, it just, I, was, I felt so low. Uh, but it was such a good lesson for me, even though like that doesn't always happen. My, my knee-jerk reaction with people is to, I, it's hard for me to be like Christ. It's hard for me to assume the best in people. It's to assume and go towards the, like, why didn't they come? Why did they do this? Why did they do that? It's to read into it and write a story that may or may not be true instead of being like, hey, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they're really struggling right now. Maybe they need a hug or A-frame or a side hug or whatever. Uh, but who is going to be the first to die? It's not you or me, it's Jesus. He died that we might live. And everything, y'all, that has been required for you in the law has been provided in Christ Would you try to be second? And this is an invitation. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, thank you that you know us, that you don't leave us the same, that even though this, this battle to become more and more like Christ is so hard at times, that Lord, you have promised to see it through to completion, that you're at work in your people, that you've called us together not to be alone, but you've called to change us together, Lord. Would you uh, be at work in this place? And as we take, even in the next few minutes, Lord, as we take the, the Lord's Supper, would you remind us again of how deep the love of Christ is for his people and the type of love that he has for us and the type of love that he invites us in with one another, sacrificing, giving, giving away. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon of South Baton Rouge Presbyterian Church. Please feel free to pass it along to others who might be encouraged by this message. Also, if you have any questions or would like to know more about the church or a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, please feel free to browse our website at www.sbrpc.org or contact the church office directly at area code 225-768-768. 9999. Again, thank you for listening.